Welcome to Identity Matters Podcast. Hi, my name is Steve Finney and I will be your speaker today. Every believer needs to understand who they are in Christ in our new series, Identity Theft. We'll do just that. Help each believer truly know who they are in Christ. Thank you for joining us. We are excited to start our new series tonight called Identity Theft. And I don't think I have to really introduce the title to you much because identity theft is exactly what it's communicating. And that is, most people today fear someone stealing their identity. Is there anyone here that has had their identity stolen? So two, three people just within our small group, can you imagine what the percentages are worldwide, particularly if you have money? Identity theft is a huge issue. Of course, if we take that concept of identity theft that is in the economic world and we bring it into the spiritual realm of identity theft, boy, we got something that's going to preach. Now let's take a look at exactly what identity does for us. Identity is the door to your earthly destiny. And for some, for the eternal destiny. Identity is the key to the decisions that you make. The actions that you will carry out. And ultimately, it reveals the confession of who your God truly is. How is it that identity is the door to your earthly destiny? What does that mean? Do you realize that most humans spend their entire adult lives undoing stupid decisions? Do you understand the world's economy is built on you backing out of a stupid decision? People actually borrow money to pay off debt. That is the smartest thing I have ever heard. They take their their credit cards and they continue to get a new credit card with 0% for 18 months. And what they do is they move all of their debt of a $30,000 debt somewhere else and they dump it in this new company that has 0% interest for 18 months. And you really got to ask yourself, what company would think that that would be a wise idea? All of them. Because they understand that identity of debt is going to breed more debt. They're going to win. They know you're not going to pay it off in 18 months. There's a new commercial that is on television right now. That you can buy a brand new Ford and not pay any interest for 72 months. Now, why would that work? Why would that be an almost guarantee for a car company? You see, a smart person would double or triple up on their payments for 72 months. Right? By the time the interest payments kick in, they lose. And then you continue to pay double the normal payment until the car's paid off. They lose. They know that. That's the only risk for them is people who actually think like that. But that's not how most people think. So it works. Now, I want you to start to think about this mentality first about credit card mentality or credit mentality. Because when we start to move this over into talking about identity theft in the spiritual area of life, the pieces will come together rather quickly. How many have heard a spiritual term used called slow fade? 
there is lots of teachings coming, listeners, about the slow fade. Satan is not going to jump out of the closet, children, looking like a monster. He's not going to have blood coming out of the corner of his mouth with a dark robe on, with a Darth Vader voice. He's going to come out of the closet on the day that he got Adam and Eve to choose to sin. He's been out of the closet. And he is a businessman. He is a negotiator. He's a very kind and reasonable, logical, put the numbers up on the screen to seduce you into getting that vehicle so you don't have to worry about paying moi for 72 months. See, here's the thinking. If in a slow fade where you will make a decision like that, because your identity is wrapped up in shiny cars, he doesn't want you to even think about that he's going to trap you at the end of the contract. Right? That's where the pain is, is at the end of contracts. Whether it's a house, a car, or whatever the case may be, because of this gambling mentality that our corporate companies have today. You're just heading to a casino. The casino's the trap. But see, they have to base one thing as a guarantee before they will offer you these deals. Your identity. They've got to know what your identity is. See, a brand new house or a brand new condo that you're going to purchase down there in Florida may not be so tempting for some people, but other people, you know what is tempting? Getting down to Florida on the beach and going fishing. Or laying out on the beach in the front of a resort that normally would cost you $800 a night. And you got it for a weekend, free. What for? Why would a company spend that kind of money on you? Identity. If you nibble at that, you're going to bite the hook. And when you get down there, see, this is how these companies work. And you get down there, you have already jumped onto the hook. You're already down there. You're laying on the beach having a good time. And then it's time for the sales talk. The percentages will alarm you of people who buy into those condominiums. Why? Because they got your identity up front. The slow fade is obvious. That's why it works. That's why it's a guarantee prosperity for those companies. It also, identity is the key to our decisions that we make. Once they pretty much nail down your identity, they can manipulate your decisions. It's called sales. Now moving it over into the satanic realm. Once, once Satan knows your identity, because he's been working at forming it since the day you were born. So he pretty much knows what makes you tick. So the slow fade is a guarantee. So all he really needs to do is to have a little sales talk with you. And you'll buy in deeper. Until your decisions have to be carried out or obligated by law to be carried out. And of course we all know what his goal is. I want to be your God. That's his goal. He doesn't care about the new Ford. He doesn't care about the condo. He doesn't care about your wallet being drained. He doesn't care about you guys arguing once you get back to your home after you have made this event. He doesn't care. He's only interested in being your God. That's what it's all about. We are on 133, actually. The... Uh, I think the slides say 132. 
but I believe on the podcast itself it's 133, Identity Theft. This is obviously part one. So identity theft is a serious problem. If you are going to do any kind of international traveling, many of the countries, America is certainly one of them, that as you come into the country, they're fingerprinting you. Now, most of them have been doing retina scanning. You just haven't been aware of it as you're standing in that tube. And they tell you, look straight ahead. They are scanning and filing information on your body. And in international activity, they want your fingerprints. Supposedly, fingerprints never lie. Nor does the retina. Well, the reason why that they are doing these kinds of security checks is because your identity tells them exactly how you're going to act. Now, can you imagine someone coming across the border and they get scanned, you know, like a piece of orange? They get scanned. And that information goes into a system that's faster than anything that you possibly can imagine in data processing worldwide. And before you get your shoes retied, they have your complete history in anything that has ever been filed on you. That's where they're going. It is a huge problem, and there are certain politicians that are trying to drop that next step of releasing international data on humans. And then there's a candidate coming in saying, we need to make sure we put that in our normal scanning in America and in uh, international flights. Why? Because your identity tells them how you're going to act. If you already have a record, then you go into high risk. That means other surveillance systems are going to have to be used to kind of keep track of you a bit. Or if your father was a terrorist when he was younger, or, 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 or. That's how it works. I'm just wanting you to keep these things in mind, because when we start making that parallel of the spiritual, I'm going to show you how well they line up together. Every 79 seconds in America, we have a victim of identity theft. Now that's what is trackable. There are many, many, many cases of identity theft that have not been reported and are not trackable because of the quality of the thief. And it's becoming a big problem. So when we talk about putting a chip in your hand or on your forehead, so you can be scanned when you go into a grocery store. That the money can transfer accounts. You say it'll be a long time before that happens. I can tell you there's a person walking around in this little community that has the chip. And they received it when they were in Europe. And they moved to this community. And she shared with the postmaster how easy it was to live over there because she never had to carry her purse. Walking into grocery stores, scanning her forehead. Money being exchanged and walking out. Not having to worry about someone stealing her identity. The identity theft issue will be used to set off the final phase of the Antichrist. I promise you that. 
Many identity fraud cases obviously start with that credit card. It's so easy to get. You think because you have SafeLock on your online shopping or the website in which you are shopping on has got SafeLock and that your information is safe. Locked. That's a joke. Anything that a human can design software-wise is another human could come along and unlock it. That's the principle of breaking into safes. Any brain that put that safe together, you can find another brain somewhere in the world who's a great safe, you know, knocker, unblocker, and get into that safe. Because humans came up with it, and humans can break it. Keep that in mind as we do our parallel. The real tragedy with identity theft is you just never really know it happened. Until the bills come. And all of a sudden these bills come or you get stopped and you get questioned because, you know, something happened and it's associated with your name and, you know, you're wondering what in the world's going on. And I think there's someone here that had an identity theft issue with their social security number, with their taxes. How many years did it take you to get out of that? Or are you still working on it? And that's just from one piece, one number, of what they are able to do with that number. Because that number is the doorway to everything in that person's life. It's called the social internet. No, it isn't. The social security. Did I say security? That's exactly how the system was set up many, many, many years ago. What's the doorway? How could we create a doorway for all humans in this country? And while they feel safe. It's all changing on us rather quickly, I must say. Someone please look up Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 6, and read those for us. How many of you remember when they introduced body scanning at the airports? I was in Washington, D.C., have friends on both sides of security, and I was standing behind where the security people are as someone was coming through a body scan machine, and I couldn't believe what I saw. Violation? <laughs> yeah, to say the least. Do you see the scanning? I mean, as you're standing there, do you see the scanning in the air? Of course not. Do you see demonic activity scanning you for identity patches? Of course not. Just because, as Jack says, just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. But see, they knew that people were just going to become accustomed to this. They just go in and Make sure their feet are on the yellow things. Well, there are sensors underneath those foot feet pad. Your body is getting a full radius scan from bone density to other things. And we just do it. And now when they're introducing DNA through the airports, that they're going to gather DNA. Every American citizen and every foreigner. You'll get used to it. Don't worry. It's okay. Don't you remember the first time you heard about abortion? You said, this is murder. They'll never get away with this. <laughs> really? It's the number one venue of murder worldwide. 
abortion. Euthanasia is going to be introduced, particularly if we get a certain candidate into office. They are going to usher in euthanasia. You know what that is? Kill grandma and kill your handicapped son or any other defect person that's been body scanned where they found that this is just not a healthy person. Sound depressing? Well, it is. The simple fact is, is that you're going to rise up and say, this is horrible, I will, this, this is not going to happen in America. Really? It's going on all over the world. America, you can always be certain of this, is 20 years behind Europe. We're, we're over here talking about the possibility of humans having chips put in them. No, that'll never happen. Well, maybe it will. Hello, it's been going on in Europe for years. Some of you might be sitting in this room and you got a chip in your dog. So you don't lose them. Well, that's going to be the mentality of, of being able to identify, for safety reasons, your children and grandchildren. You see, it's the sales pitch. You get this letter in the mail from your credit card company and it says, we're going to be adding a chip to your credit card and here's the benefits. So, you know, you look at your old credit card and you go, oh, I need that benefit. Sliding that in a chip machine within split seconds, I can be approved all over the world. Or not. So then I get a letter in the mail about, we have, we'd like to have you come down to the bank because we have a new financial system that is going to secure you, your family, your investments, and blah, blah, blah. And you go down to the bank, you wonder, what's, what's our bank switching over to? And they say, if you receive this chip, because see, you're used to it on your credit cards, and you're used to it on your driver's license, and you're used to it on whatever else they're putting it in. And they say, if you receive this chip, you won't have to carry money around anymore. You won't have to carry your driver's license around anymore. You won't have to carry identity theft will be a non-issue with your life. And I guarantee you that 90 plus percent of the humanoids that are walking into that bank to get that sales pitch are going to say, where's the needle? Because that's what's happening in Europe. Identity theft will be the topic, the title, the excuse that will be used for the final phase of the Antichrist. That is guaranteed, and you can take that to the bank. Identity theft, my listeners, can also take place in the spiritual realm. And that's where we're going with all this. Matter of fact, it's been going on since the garden. You see, when Eve is doing whatever it was that she was doing, and where exactly was Satan in his black robe with blood coming out of the corner of his mouth. You know the Halloween image. Where was he? With long claws coming out of his hands and he's kind of looking like this at, at Eve. No. Probably one of the most beautiful things she's ever seen and going to see. And so she is just doing whatever it is that she was supposed to do. And he only had one thing, one thing he had to conquer, an identity switch. Who's your daddy? So he starts using daddy in this secure identity lock that had Adam and Eve locked in, safe and secure. Right? Locked and loaded. No sin. They didn't know what sin was. They couldn't spell it, couldn't say it, couldn't conceive it, couldn't have a thought of it. And in here, the representation of sin is hanging out at this tree of know-how. 
And he starts picking on the father. And he started there and he started this deduction for Eve. So she just did this slow fade from being completely identity locked into God the Father and going into an identity lock with the fallen angel, Lucifer, who became Satan. How could this be? How could this happen? Logic. It's a logical decision for you to buy this car. It's a logical decision for you to buy this condo. It's a logical decision for you to get that card. It's a logical decision for you, and it goes on. It's logical. We try to come up with data to support this slow fade decision. Then he can set you up for the next slow fade decision. You see, Satan couldn't get murder introduced into the world until his mother and father made an identity switch. Murder is the most depraved consequence of identity theft. So for to have one son kill another son, which was a goal for his, murder had to be introduced into this new grave society that he is forming. Identity swap had to occur. He wasn't after Eve. And any of you listeners think that Satan was after Eve, you don't know your your theology. He was after a switch of gods. He hated and hates God the Father because God detached him from his identity. So Satan had to form this, this identity, new identity, as a thief. And he had to come and steal from God's children in order to kill them. Steal, murder, and destroy. Murder has to come into play quickly. Now I'm really going to get some 602s on this one. But adultery is murder. If you do your research in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, for some reason, God always connects murder and adultery together. Adultery is killing a relationship. It's bringing it to death. Idolatry is killing your God's relationship. And that's why they're big deals. It's murder. And anyone who's gone through having your spouse commit adultery on you, it feels like death. Murder. It's it's just, you just can't get over it. As I've said to Jane many times, it would be better if that person would die. You just grieve and you move on. But it's a constant murdering, killing, and destroying. But that can't happen until the thief comes and does what the thief does best. So let's talk about it. John writes that the thief comes only to steal, murder, and destroy. See, once you feel destroyed, once you feel dirty, you'll serve Satan. That's the craziness of this world. You see, he'll come and steal your identity. Check. Done. Got that done. He's got to steal your identity or he can't move any further with you. Then he has to create murder somewhere in your life. Sometimes physical murder. Sometimes relational murder. But he's gotta, he's gotta kill. And once the killing is done, destruction is, and mayhem are gonna rule your life. For a very long time. You see, back when Janie and I were starting to teach the marriage material many years ago, and the divorce rate was below 10%, and now they say it's well above 
86%, which I would say is well into the 90% by now. You see, Satan doesn't care about your marriage. He cares about your children. He doesn't care if you're going to bow down and say Satan is God. He does expect that out of your children and your grandchildren. Because that's what's going to set him up to be able to rule the entire world. That's it. If that's too heavy for you theologically, I say wait it out. See how it turns out. Because it's going to go this way. We are going into a slow fade as an entire world. We're going into a slow fade in our our marriages. We're going into a slow fade in our businesses. We're going into a slow fade in the church. We're going into this slow fade, and most people don't know what to do. They try fighting a little, arguing a little, you know, demanding a little, whatever. But it's not going to help you. Once the enemy steals your identity, it's over. And there's only one that I know of that can reinstall your identity. There's only one. It's it's not your divorce courts. It's not you going and suing for your grandpa's name or a new name or whatever these methods of madness that seem to be out there. There's only one that I know of can reinstall your identity. And that's why we have to talk about this. Peter said, your adversary, the devil, is roaming around. Roaming around like a roaring lion. Well, I don't know about you guys. But when I hear this roaming around like a roaring lion, I don't think of Satan. I think of the Lion of Judah. I mean... When we get into the names of Satan and the names of Christ and see how many of them he has already stolen, do you realize, listeners, listen carefully at 602-292-2982, when you list out the names of Satan, you will see very quickly he is stolen the identity of Jesus Christ in this world. You can say Jesus in praise and worship today, and it's not our Jesus. The Muslims have a Jesus. J-E-S-U-S. They have a Jesus. Issa. And so does every other Christian-related religion. In the world. Don't tell me he hasn't stolen Jesus' identity. Most people are going to churches, sitting in pews, opening up their little hymnals and their little emergent translations, and they think that somehow that Jesus is there. Jesus told me, and I, and you hear all of these emergent comments, and, and I look at them and I'm like, what Jesus do you serve? I've never heard Jesus say, Divorce your woman. But I've heard it in my office for years. Anytime you try to sign Jesus' name to the identity of Satan, who looks like Jesus, sounds like Jesus, and writes like Jesus, and talks like Jesus, that's what you have. Huge problem. The devil seeks to steal our reflection of the indwelling life of Christ. You see, that's what, we're not to mimic, we're not to act like, we're not to do the same behaviors that Jesus did, to be Christ-like, we're to be a reflection. Our souls, our mind, will, and emotions are to be like a mirror. And as Jesus looks at this mirror, mind, will, and emotions, he wants the world your sphere of influence, to see Jesus, the real one. And that drives Satan crazy, people to get that figured out. So Satan is 
the original identity thief, who would like nothing more than to steal from you the very image of God in you. Drain your soul, your mind, will, and emotions. He's got to drain you through stress and persecution and distresses. If he doesn't drain you, he can't fill you with stupid thoughts, stupid actions, and stupid results. He can't. If you're filled up with the living, indwelling life of Christ, you can't pour more into a container if the container's full. So he's got to drain you. And therefore he can derail you from walking in and after the Holy Spirit. Simple plan, I'm afraid it works. And if that doesn't work, he's got the most crafty, bended, twisted theological ideology in the world today. And he's got this one down. And I hate to say, well done, Satan. But I'm afraid it's true. Because it already is estimated that over 80% of all the churches in the world today practice what I'm about to read. 602-292-2982. Satan works to manifest the deception of being Christian, Christ follower, or to be Christ-like. If I'm grave enough in my thinking to think I can be Christ-like, that makes me a god. And wasn't that the original deception in the garden? You can be like God. This whole Christ-like and Christ-following thing that's sweeping the world today is Satan's subtle, manipulative way of getting people to be their own God. As a Christian, mind you. It's his greatest deception. The term Christian or Christ follower and Christ-like were not even used until the Reformation. And it was after the Reformation that they started to use this term of being a Christ follower and to study your Bible, go to church, open the hymnals, sing your songs, Rent your pews, do whatever it is that you need to do to be Christ-like. And if you can check the box of I'm a follower of Christ and I am Christ-like, to that I ask you, where's the name, the identity lock, the identity padlock of the name Jesus? There's, there's no Jesus in this. It's christ Follower. There's no Jesus in Christ-like. How many times have you heard the term to be Jesus-like? Some probably use it. You see, it's Christ. Satan has put this whole emphasis on the identity of the name Christ. That's what he's stealing. Because in the end, the Bible says he is the anti-Christ. He's not the anti-Jesus. He's the anti-Christ. So all he has to do in his latter hours is swap the Christ. The great exchange. Demonically. So all the Christ followers, when he does this great exchange, won't even know the difference. They're going to think they're following the real Christ. Well, they are. The real anti-Christ. They'll look to him. They may call him Jesus. They may call him Issa. They may call him whatever. And it'll work in your religion no matter what religion you have the tendency to coat yourself with. Because religion is like a coat. 
you put it on. Christ, it has to go in you to have the Jesus live. Huge difference, I think. So according to the New Testament, the indwelt experience of the earliest believers was derived from a dependence, very dependent upon Christ living inside that chosen one. Authentically, and from the beginning, the believer's experience has always been more than an imitation of the life and teachings of Jesus. Until recently. It is the present experience of the risen Christ indwelling the believer's life by the Spirit. Literally meaning emphasizing the inclusive and corporate life characteristics of Jesus Christ himself. It's not my characteristics. It's not my replicating what I'm learning about him. So, golly, if we were sitting on Satan's council, there's some things we would have to put into action right away. One, we'd have to get people devotionalizing Jesus. Educating Jesus. We probably should demand that he gets a few degrees before he preaches in our church. At least wears a collar or a robe or whatever. You see what begins to happen? There's been this religious coat that has been slowly stitched together through the generations that before you can even be a pastor, you have to put it on. Next time that you look at any minister in a robe, you think about that. They are putting on their denomination. They're putting on their religious structure, fibers, coat. But who are they really? Well, that's hopefully the question will get answered over the next few weeks. You know, Paul was one of the First, if not the first, that use the term in Christ, in Christ in you. And in just three books, three books, it's mentioned 60 times. So nowadays, when you talk about being in Christ, they wonder, what are you teaching? As Steve has several stories of him visiting certain churches and how Steve is very fluid about using the term in Christ and Christ in you. And I, I was even appalled at some of the stories of what the pastor's response was to him. Basically being, what are you talking about? That's right here. And here Paul was called by God to say it over and over and over and over. Because in the beginning, it was a dependent relationship with Christ in you. In you in Christ. So I can about imagine Satan was going, we got to do something about this. So he calls his trinity together. The false prophet. You think he's just going to show up at the end? That's when he's going to be born? Are you kidding me? That demon's been around for a long time. So you got this false prophet. You have Satan himself. And you have this beast. Which in Hebrew we've already talked about and we've diced that baby up. It's economy. It's money. So he calls his little his little court together and he says, we got to do something about this. This guy is going to mess us up. Do you remember that one demon that said, we know Jesus Christ. It's a demon, not Christ. We know Jesus Christ. We know Paul. But, Who are you? And that's why people think it's bizarre when I say, I want to be known in the demonic world. 
I, I want to I wanna be so outspoken about the indwelling life of Christ. Call me crazy, as Paul said, call me insane. That's my message. I'm with you, Paul. I will go to my grave and beyond with this message because in Christ is the padlock of identity that locks you down from identity theft. The latest phraseology that's out there today, which, by the way, do your own Googling, maybe you shouldn't, is the assault that is on the churches, ministries, authors, and teachers that are using the term, the phrase, identification in Christ or with Christ. Really? The phrase that unlocks the padlock that Satan has on you? You with me? The phrase. This is the key that the Holy Spirit grabs a hold of and goes over to your paralyzed life because of identity theft and unlocks the padlock that Satan has on your heart is identification in Christ. Now, how's that? Of course they're going to attack it. It means God has acted in such a way that we have become identified with Christ in his death. I have been crucified with Christ. Romans 6, the first six verses, talks about being crucified with Christ, buried with Christ, and raised with Christ. So we are identified, our identity scanning is death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. When you stand there in Satan's little demonic scanning thing every day when you get out of bed in the morning, he should be able to, as that scanning takes place in your life, he should know, now this believer knows their death, their burial, their resurrection, and they're believing that they're seated at the right hand of God. How are we going to get to them? You won't, bro. The only time that they can get to the identified people is when their souls are drained. And that can happen to all of us. Every single one of us. He even knew it could happen to Jesus. And that's the whole story of the garden. So when Jesus died, I died too. When Jesus was buried, I was buried. When Jesus got raised from the dead, I too rose from the dead. And even the ascension of being seated at the right hand of the Most High. It tells us right in Ephesians, as we shared earlier, and even when we were dead in our sin, in our transgression, guilt, God made us alive together with Christ and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ. Okay, so here, here's where my mind goes with that. One, I can look at life as if I'm hanging on the cross. Here's what this looks like. I wish our, we had video of this or our listeners could see it, but you're just hanging on the cross. The nails are, are you know, securing you to this piece of wood. And you're like, oh, I'm dying. Doesn't anyone see? Anyone care? I'm dying. And they stay there. Well, then there's others that like to stay in the tomb. We call that depression. Satan got a great label for that one. Depression. It's called despair. And you're sitting in the tomb. The stone got rolled away. 
But you're sitting in the tomb, sitting on the very spot that Jesus used to be and is no longer in there. But you're sitting there and all you see is darkness and despair. And it's like you're suffocating. And I know there's listeners right now that are feeling this as I'm preaching it. You feel like you're suffocating. Like this, like Satan has literally stolen the air right out of your lungs. You've been given the label depression. You have medicines that you take three times a day that's supposed to elevate you so you don't have to have that feeling of the tomb. I say walk out of it. And my friends and family know that that is a place that the enemy drags me into more times than I want to admit. I feel darkness and despair, sometimes to the point where I can't breathe. See, Satan knows my identity. My old one and my new one. He knows which one he wants to take you to, the cross or the tomb. The old woe is me and the tomb people are like, just let me die. It's over. It's finished. I hope so. Because when the Holy Spirit says it to me, I have finished this work. My mind still can't choose to believe that. Because for some reason, I'm enjoying darkness. There's a funny thing about darkness. There is literally a funny thing about darkness. From when we were, our children were small, tiny, tiny, we're hiding, you know, the daddies and mommies, particularly daddies, are hiding behind the door and the baby's crawling, you know, to the door and daddy jumps out from behind that door and sends that poor baby into an early heart attack. Then we start doing the boo. Then we start taking them trick-or-treating so we can use darkness and fear for some bubble gum. And then we start going to scary movies. And then we start acting dark. Then it's not so fun. But... See, darkness is funny to us. And when we get into our dark place, when we get older, you know, it's just not so bad. It's just kind of like, leave me alone. I'm having my Halloween candy. Leave me alone. But then there's a third kind, the identified in Christ kind. They are seated at the right hand of God, which Satan can't even get to. He can't walk up in heaven and swing the door of heaven open and go, boo! He can't! You are preserved, you're protected, you have the security lock on the gate of heaven. Satan cannot enter in there. So he doesn't want people understanding their position. He wants people to be confused about their condition, their soul. Drained. I know that Jesus' soul was drained in the garden. In fact, his body was so drained he couldn't even sweat anymore. So what happened? Sweat blood. My cardiologist friend in Arizona said, is actually physiologically possible to sweat blood. It's shortly before you die. You see, he grieved to the point of death. Well, whether you're Jesus Christ or whether you're someone who is indwelt by him, the simple facts are that your soul can be drained and Satan knows it. So he comes up with an identity list, which we're starting next week. We're going to go through the scanning of everything from childhood rejection, childhood pouting, 
We're going through every single item that God gives me, and we're going to and show you that the scanning stuff that Satan's hunting for in your life. Because he's going to use what's effective. He's not going to use something that is ineffective. That's a bad leader. And I think Satan is as dark as you could ever possibly imagine. But please understand me when I say this. He is the best leader there is of darkness. He is not unskilled. He for darkness is as skilled as Jesus Christ is for righteousness. You're talking about two very qualified, skilled scanners. What does the my favorite passage say? Paul talked to the Corinthian church about the Holy Spirit. Who knows the thoughts of the man except for the man? Who knows the thoughts of God except for God? For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit is your scanner. You have the ability to let the Holy Spirit scan the person in front of you and give you what's called words of knowledge, words of wisdom, and you can speak right into that person's life, and they're going to think you read their emails, no matter how secure your system was. So we're going to talk about the scanners. And what items seem to show up on the, on the security computer? In the literal sense, it's to get control of security. But in the spiritual sense, mm -hmm, it'll certainly get control of your security in Christ. Big deal. Identity statement for today. You can spend your entire life building your identity. Remember the gentleman I told you about with the shotgun in the, in the, in the cornfield? He is an example of this. I work with people all the time of people who have written books that are some of you, or at least there's two of you in this room that I know, that it is your favorite books. And I have been on the phone with these people with their spiritual undies in a Grundy. They're just lost. They're confused. They've lost it. And inside I want to go, what happened to you? But I can't because I know what happened. Because it can happen to me. It doesn't mean their books are wrong. It doesn't mean they were faking it. The enemy sucked them dry. He doesn't want us to leave, as Paul says, to leave on a good mark. He doesn't want us walking off the field with a gold medal. He wants us walking off the field defeated, even though he can't stop us from going to heaven. That's what he wants. Don't ever let your guard down. And I know we will. One single decision. One single decision. Satan could have you spending the rest of your life backing out of that decision or carrying the consequences of it. Slow fade. It'll do it. Adultery and murder are two classics the scriptures talk about quite frequently. They stay with you the rest of your life. Even when the great identity uh, blocker regarding the identity thief comes and redeems you, it's still hanging there in your closet. There are still certain consequences that come with it. In Colossians 3.25 is probably not a good verse to use to mock God. He who sins shall receive the consequences of that which they do and that without partiality. Colossians 3.25 is the famous chapter on identity. Colossians 3. Just because you're redeemed, just because you're indwelt, just because you love Jesus, just because you're walking in the Spirit, 
and after the Spirit right now does not mean that God is going to evaporate your consequences. I know this personally. And I think you guys do too. But we expect this redeeming, graceful God to use the term grace in an emergent way to say, I'm going to erase all of your consequences. I'm going to violate my own scriptures just for you. That's our church today. And I'm afraid that is not how it works. We need to step up and say, Lord, in you, through you, by your strength, I shall carry the consequences of my sins. And if by some reason he says, hmm, hmm, I'll let you carry 40% of them. How's that? It's an act of his grace. Some don't have to carry any. It's an act of his grace. But the attitude needs to be, okay, I'll Colossians 3.25 this one. At 602-292-2982. So what are we supsupposed to do now? First, you've got to determine if you're truly born again and you have the indwelling life of Jesus Christ living inside you. Or are you one of these foot people who are following Christ? Maybe you're following Jesus. Maybe you're following Issa. Maybe you're following some other prophet that is comfortable with Christianity. But if you are getting the slightest conviction that you don't have the indwelling life of Jesus, you might want to wrap that baby up. Get that taken care of. If you're not under conviction, you're not going to remember anything from this message anyway. So forget it. It's only the Holy Spirit that brings conviction for this kind of stuff. Only. So if the Spirit is revealing that you're a follower versus a born-again Christian, it might be time to take care of that. Download the PDF of this message. Look up the scriptures found in the message. Read and pray through those verses. Ask the Lord to make them experiential for you. Find one person this week and share with them what you learned. If you learn 2% out of what is shared tonight, share half of that. If you learned more than you've heard in many years of your Christian walk, share 50% of that. Give it away. Get the pipe open. Turn the faucet on. Give it away so the filling and movement and breathing of the Holy Spirit will occur in your life. Don't go stale. These truths will go so stale so quick, it's ridiculous. And the last thing that any of us want to see happen is the powerful, life-changing, life-transformation terms, definitions, and life of the exchanged life to become normal terms. There's nothing normal about them. They should make people angry, uncomfortable, resentful. All the attacks that they got clear back when they were writing them down for the first time, and the preachers today should be getting about the same kinds of attacks. Don't be comfortable. If you are working daily to be comfortable, you're going to want to listen to next week's message. We're going to specifically talk about individual items that we do to make us comfortable. So if you think that America, now being such a comfortable country that everyone wants to move to, is still our America, then you do not understand what this principle did to our country. Being comfortable makes you lazy. When you're lazy, the enemy comes in like a thief and he steals everything in your own household, including your spouse and children. Finally, invite the person to church or at least have them uh, listen to the podcast. Now, if you don't have that app loaded on your smartphone, it's hard to push that share button. 
or Dr. Charles Stanley. That is a great app that you can forward his videos, you can forward his audios, you can forward his articles and his books. Get connected some, to some really sincere identity teachers. Use their podcasts, use their websites, and use their books and whatever, and get it out. Tell people about this message, because identity truly does matter. And before you get out of bed in any morning, just start this little technique. It won't take longer than 14 seconds. Lord, before my feet touch the floor, I ask that you give me strength and wisdom and insight as to the moments where the great identity thief comes to steal my identity in you. Just start your day with that one. Very critical. Please contact us, 602-292-2982, if you want to have a little chat. Or maybe you just want to send an email at drphinnei at iomamerica.org. That's Dr. Finney at iomamerica.org. Love to uh, dialogue with you about what you heard in this podcast. It will transform your life or church. We need a revival now. You've been listening to Identity Matters Podcast. We appreciate having you join us today. Feel free to log on to our website at www.iomamerica.org. We have lots of resources available for you on the believer's identity in Christ. Again, thank you for joining us.